Well, this morning we're starting a new series uh, called Generous, and we're going to take the next three weeks, and we're going to look at this theme of generous. Now, the dictionary defines generous as being someone who shares freely, uh, someone who shares abundantly, and this idea of overflowing um, when, we, when we talk about sharing. Now, there's a story in the Bible that we've all heard lots of times, and uh, I want to look into that story today. And I want to look into this story and see what are some things that are maybe in this story that we haven't really seen before. Uh, this is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men that we find in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 to 17. I want us to look at this story today in the, through the eyes of generosity. What is it about the story that just portrays how generous God is and also teaches us a lesson on how we can be generous? Now, this chapter... It starts with Jesus sending out the 12 disciples. And he sent them out um, to, they're kind of on their first missionary trip. And uh, he sends them out to go and to see um, what it's like to go and share your faith. Now we read that he gives them power to drive out demons, to cure diseases. And he also gives them the instructions to preach the kingdom of God. Now, in Luke chapter 9, verse 10, that's where we're going to pick up the story. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what, he, what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Now, one of the things you're going to notice is in the town of Bethsaida, a lot of miracles happened in that area. And so this becomes a fairly well-known place for miracles that Jesus has done. Verse 11, but the crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who, were, who needed healing. Jesus wanted to spend some time alone with his disciples after they had been in, you know, out on this mission trip and he'd sent them off. And so he was hoping to take these guys and to go to a remote place where they would be able to just interact with each other. But it wasn't possible. Because a lot of people, uh, they found out about him, and they followed him to this place. And so what Jesus had intended is not working out, because all these people hear about that Jesus is going to this place, and so they go and they follow Jesus. Now what does Jesus do? Jesus welcomes them, and he again teaches them. It's possible that he, left, he took, started teaching where his disciples would have left off, and he starts teaching them again about the kingdom of God. Luke chapter 9, verse 12. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countrysides and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place. Now this would have been a very logical thing. This would have been a very logical um, answer to give or really logical thinking. Here we've got thousands of people in a remote place, and these people need to go get food. So the most logical thing would be, it's getting late in the day, Jesus, you should send these guys off so that they can go get the food that they need. Now we understand, of course, they didn't have buses, they didn't come to these places with buses, there wasn't taxis that they could just hitchhike with, there wasn't, you know, trains, nothing like that. These people would have walked to this place, meaning that they would have used up a lot of energy just to get to here. And now it's getting late. They've used up a lot of energy just to get to this place, and they've been sitting and listening to teachings all day, and now it's time for them to head back. 
And so what do you do? Well, these disciples, their thinking was, get them going. Why waste any more time? Let them go. So in that time, uh, you need to understand that a lot of times what would happen is people would just, as they were traveling, when they saw a small village or when they saw a small town or something like that, they would just go into that small village, they would go into that place, and they would ask for food and lodging. And so what these disciples are recommending would have been very common. This would have been common practice. Well, send these people away so that they have time to go to these little villages, they have time to go to these little places, and find places to stay for night, find places where they can eat. Obviously, in that time, they didn't have you know, fast food chains, they didn't have restaurants like we do today. And so this would have been, again, very logical thinking, very practical, what, um, um, very practical thing for these disciples to offer. So a good idea, a very good idea as far as what the disciples had. But it's what happens next that no one expected. So you listen to these disciples, and I can see all of them nodding their head going, yeah, 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 that's a great idea. Jesus, you need to let these people get going because it's getting late. They need to get going so they can find a place. And so everybody would have been like, this is great. This is such good thinking. But then what Jesus does next is what turned everything kind of upside down. Listen to his reply in verse 13. Jesus replied, he uh, he said this, you give them something to eat. This they hadn't seen coming. These disciples, there's no way that any of them were like, oh yeah, I saw that coming. There's no way that these disciples would have seen this. Their thinking was practical. Their thinking was logical. We need to get these people away. And all they're thinking about is what those people need to do. They're not thinking about what they need to do. They're not thinking about what Jesus needs to do. They're just thinking, Jesus, let these people go because here are things that they need to do. And now Jesus takes and he turns this towards the disciples and he says, you give them something to do. Now there's always moments in scripture where one wishes, man, I wish I could have been there. This is one of those for me. I wish I could have been there to see the reaction of these disciples. That moment of shock of just realizing he's not kidding. He really wants us to do something. I can picture these disciples just kind of turning and looking over the multitude of people, thinking to themselves, how? How are we going to do this? How are we going to feed all these people? This verse raises an, an important question for you and I. Can you be generous when you don't have enough? Can you be generous when you don't have enough? Clearly, it would have taken truckloads of food to feed all these people. And Jesus says to them, you give them something to eat. So can you be generous when you don't have enough? When the, when the need is here, but your ability to feed or your ability to, to meet that need is way down here somewhere. Are you able to be generous when you don't have enough for what you know is needed? Look at what it says next. Luke chapter 9 verse 13. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. Now in the Gospel of John, we read that Andrew, one of the disciples, found a small boy who had a bag lunch. And we also read in the other Gospels that these disciples were saying to Jesus, basically, hey, it doesn't matter. Even if we found a village that has all the food, even if we find a village that has enough food for 5,000 men, 
How are we going to pay for it? How are we going to pay for all that food? It would take a year's worth of wages. But we're not even going to find a village that has that much food. So these disciples are looking at the situation going, Jesus, this is completely hopeless. There's no way that we can feed all these people. Now Andrew, I don't know what he did or how he went and did it, but Andrew finds this little boy who has a small lunch. And we read in the Gospel of John that it was um, two small, sorry, five small barley loaves and two small fish. Now, barley loaves were an indication that this was a poor person's meal. This wasn't someone who was, who was really rich. This was a poor person's meal. Now, you would think that Jesus' reaction to Andrew bringing this little boy, and like I said, I don't know how he got this little guy. Did he put him in a headlock? Did he drag him over there? I'm not sure how Andrew got this guy over there. But you would think that when Andrew came to Jesus and says, Hey, look, Jesus, I found this boy with five small barley loaves of of bread and two small fish. You would think that Jesus' response to the disciples would have been something like this. Like, really, guys? Seriously? This is what you're bringing? This is what you have? I told you, you give them something to eat. And you show up here with two small fish and five small pieces, five small loaves of bread? Now, I'm thinking that when Andrew mentioned the small meal to Jesus, his disciples were probably thinking to themselves, what are you doing? It may have even been possible that as Andrew went up to maybe his older brother Peter and said, Hey Peter, check out what I found. I got this little kid and he's got this small, you know, lunch. And it's possible that Peter would have done what any brother would do is just be like, you know what? You just keep that quiet. Just hush about that. Don't don't even bother Jesus with that because it's so irrelevant. Look at the need we have, Andrew. We have all these people who need to be fed, and you are going to bring up this small meal. And it's possible that that the disciples, when they saw Andrew mention this to Jesus, they were just thinking to themselves, why in the world would you even mention this? Who mentions such a small meal when there's such a big meal needed? I think the reason we picture Jesus responding to these disciples in a way that would be like, why, you know, why are you not doing better? I think the reason that we we picture him responding that way is because that's how we would respond. You see, I think many of us, we see being generous in comparison to the need. So if the need is huge, then if it's met, then we are being generous. But to be generous is to do something. To be generous is to do something with whatever we have. So our temptation is going to be to say, well, if the need is way up here, but we're only able to do a little bit, then let's not bother doing anything because if we can't even meet the need or if we can't even you know, do what's needed, then we're not really being generous. So how can we be generous when we don't have enough? The answer is simple. You do something. You don't have to have enough for everyone, but you still do something. For someone. You don't have to have the gift that everyone else has. But you still do something. You don't need to have as much time as is needed. But you can still do something. 
You don't have to complete the project. You don't have to meet all the needs. You don't have to be able to go to the full extent of what is needed, but you do something. To do something is to be generous. You see, generosity is not measured by how much was accomplished, but by how much was attempted. Generosity is not measured by how much was accomplished, but by how much was attempted. In the next verse, we are told that there are 5,000 men in this place. If these men are like men that we have here this morning, these guys are hungry. And when it comes to, you know, sitting and listening all day and walking all day, I can see that these guys, they're hungry, and this little lunch is barely enough for one man, never mind the other 4,999. You and I will always be tempted to determine whether we can be generous based on whether we can meet a need. And I want to suggest to us today that the correct way to determine, that this is not the correct way to determine whether we can be generous or not. We must see that being generous is something that we do even when it appears that we do not have enough. In other words, what I'm saying is none of us have an excuse for not being generous. None of us have an excuse to ever say, I can't be generous. God has called us all to be generous. Why? Because God is generous. And we often don't look at Him like that. We often don't speak about God being generous. But God is generous. God gave His Son generous. God so loved the world generous. God is love. God is you know, hope. He is faithful. He is all those things. But God is also generous. And He's calling you and I to be like Him. To be generous. Even when we feel we don't have enough. Look at Luke chapter 9 verse 14. What does Jesus do? It says there about 5,000 men were there. Look at what he does next. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now picture this scene for a moment. We don't have enough food, Jesus. So why are we seating these people? I thought we made it clear to you that what you need to do is you need to send these people off. You need to send these people away so that they can go and get their food. And now you want them to be seated in groups of about 50? Now, the other thing we need to understand about back then is they didn't have speakers like what we have here. They didn't have a little microphone that goes on your ear. and They didn't have soundboards in the back of the room. And they didn't have big speakers that blare to lots and lots of people. And so here are these disciples. They're now supposed to try to put all these people into small groups of 50. I would be hesitant to try that here this morning. Because you know that chaos is going to erupt. People are going to ask, why are we doing this? Why are you wanting us to sit? What's up? Now these are men. Men always want to know, I'm not sitting in groups of 50 until you tell me why I'm supposed to. Now you also know that as these disciples are running around going, okay, everybody get into little groups. You know, somebody's going to be like, I don't want to be in that group with that guy. I don't want to be with these people. I want to be in that group. And you can just see these disciples running around, getting everybody into little groups and looking back and going, no, 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 no. I need you to stay in your group. Stay in your group. Stay there, stay there, stay there. 
I have no idea how long this took, but my guess is that this will have taken a long time. Because these disciples had 5,000 men, never mind women and children, to get into groups. But here's what I picture happening. As these disciples start putting all these people into groups, everybody starts quieting down. Because you know, all of a sudden you're starting to see it. There's, there's something's up. Something's happening. Why are we being seated like this? And so all these people are, are being seated into small groups. Now look at how the Bible says it. It makes it sound a lot simpler. In verse 15, the disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Now according to that, it just sounds so simple. These guys just kind of snapped their fingers, and everybody sat down, and all was good. But I doubt it was quite that simple. So now that everybody's seated, and maybe you can picture the disciples coming from the far corners of the valley. And they finally seated everybody down. And all eyes are now looking at, their, at these disciples as they're making their way back up to the front. And all the while, these disciples are going, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? We don't understand. And people are asking them, what's happening? We don't know. All these disciples know is it's getting late in the day. We don't have enough food. And we should be sending these people on their way out of here. So everybody's watching them now. And I picture this crowd slowly growing quiet as they watch the disciples slowly making their way back up to the front where Jesus is. And now all eyes are turning in that direction. This is what makes verse 16 so incredible. Verse 16. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Up to this point, I don't think that his disciples knew what he was planning on doing. I don't think that these disciples for one minute were like, you know what, I bet you he's going to feed all these people. But you see, when he took that meal and he held it in his hands, and then when Jesus looked up to heaven, all his disciples would have immediately understood what was coming next. They would have all known what Jesus is doing here is he is saying grace. He's giving the blessing for the meal. Think about that for a moment. All they had were these two fish and five loaves of bread. And I can just picture these disciples looking over going, oh my goodness, he's giving grace. Because they would have recognized when, when Jesus looked up, every Jewish boy would have recognized that when the leader took the meal, the father took the meal and looked up to heaven, that what was happening is he's now saying grace. And all these guys would have been thinking about this, what meal are we saying grace for? There isn't enough. Now kids, you all know that when your parents do certain things, you know what's coming next. My son knows that when I sit down on his bed, we're going to have a little chat. My son knows that if I lie down next to him in his bed, we're going to have a longer chat. 
When your dad clears his throat before praying, you're like, okay, you know, he's going to pray now. And if he really clears his throat, you're probably thinking, we're going to die before he's done praying, because he's going to pray for a long time. So for these disciples, this is when it would have hit them. He's going to give everybody food to eat when we don't have enough to eat. Look at verse 17. They all ate. Now, if we stopped right there, it would look, you know, we could look at that and say, oh, they must have all had just a little nibble. But look at what it says. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. They were all satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And each disciple had the opportunity to pick up a full basketful of leftovers and carry it down the mountain. Generous. Jesus being generous with what he was given. Are you and I generous with the things that God has given us? God has given us talents. He's given us gifts. Are we generous with those things? God has given us health and life. Are we generous with our time and our abilities? God has given us resources and money. Are we generous with the money and the resources that God has given us? You see, it would have been so simple for Andrew and this little boy to say, you know what, we're looking over this crowd and we don't have enough, so let's just keep what we have to ourselves. And, and maybe this little boy and Andrew could have been like, you know what, let's split this meal and we'll each have two and a half loaves of bread and we'll each have one fish and we'll at least get a little bit. But they didn't do that. They recognized that they could do something even when they didn't have enough <clears throat> and so that's what they did they took to Jesus they brought to Jesus what they had are you generous with what you have are you taking to Jesus the thing the things that you have when my family and I go on vacation one of the things we love doing is staying in hotels now, when you see us go into a hotel, you would think that we'd never seen a television before because I don't know what it is about hotel television. You just, you just want to change channels as often as you can and you want to watch as much TV as we can. And, and so I remember one time when we were in the hotel, we were watching, flipping through the channels and we landed on this, on this show called Hoarders. And we watched this show of these people who just hoarded all kinds of things. And it was just incredible as the camera took you into these homes of these people. Because on the outside, the house looked totally fine. But when you went to the inside of these places, it was so sad to see how dysfunctional these people's lives were because of all the stuff that they had in their lives, in their houses. These people's lives couldn't function properly. For example, you would see them, they wouldn't be able to shower because their showers were totally full. 
This one person that we saw, they, they couldn't lie down in their bed because there was no room on their bed, so they're reclining on this, this chair. That's all they had. Their kitchen, they had a hard time making meals because the cabinets were stuffed, the counters were stuffed. There was so much stuff that these people could not live you know, functional lives. They had so many things in their house that they have to sneak through their house. You can barely get through just collecting and collecting and collecting. And I remember one of the therapists on that show saying to this person, why do you keep all this? Why do you have all this? And the answer was simple, because it has meaning to me. I can't let go of it. And, and I remember the therapist saying, do you not understand that it would have even more meaning? It would have even more meaning if it was in the hands of someone who needed it. But these people looked at all they had as if I, I can't part with this. I have to hold on to this. I cannot let this go. And to the point where all they did is they gathered and they gathered and they gathered and they gathered. And they never were generous. They never gave. They just collected and collected and collected to the point where they had so much that they could not function properly anymore. I wonder if it's possible that some of us, that's what we've done with our relationship with God. That all we do in our relationship with God is just take from Him and take from Him and take from Him. You've been given gifts. You've been given abilities. God has given you so much are we in a in a relationship with God where all we do is hoard the spiritual gifts that he's given us where all we do is hoard the things that God has allowed us to have just for ourselves to the point maybe where our lives become dysfunctional because we have so much but we're not doing anything with it you see God gave His Son Jesus so that we could have life. So that we could have freedom. So that we could give and love as Jesus loves. You see, to be a follower of Jesus Christ is to be a generous person because God is generous. Jesus is generous. He gave His life. He gave everything and so as his followers the last thing that we should ever be accused of is hoarding what God has given us when his plan for our lives was for us to be generous and to give back what he's given to us freely let's pray heavenly father I want to thank you for this morning I just pray God that you would Use these words to speak into our lives. I pray, Father, that none of us here would become the kind of person who would just take from you and take from you and never give back. I pray, Lord, that we would be generous with all that you've given us. I pray, Father, that you would do incredible things through each one of us. I pray that when we look at the story of Jesus and how he was able to do so much with so little, feeding all those people with such a small meal, that we would see that Jesus 
that God can do so much more than what we can ever imagine. But God, it has to start with us being willing to give, to be generous, and to take whatever we have and to place it into the hands of Jesus to allow Him to do what only He can do. So I pray, Lord, make us a generous people. In your name I pray. Amen.